Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ. Hope you're enjoying the 50 most relevant as we look through, who at least I think are among the most relevant players for Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy, all in one universal list combined. So if you love playing all formats of salary cap footy, we try to put everything in here for you at the coaches panel. In at number 34 in the 50 most relevant, Zach Williams, the GWS giant running defender. To help me talk about Zach and his fantasy relevance, i got Ben. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good, mate. Very excited. Uh, we've got a few uh, mid-priced defenders this year, don't we? Yeah, we do. And we've, we've kind of grouped them all together. Uh, we've just come off the back of Brody Smith at 35. 36 was Pierce Hanley. And 37 was Dylan Robertson. And I suppose before we even talk a- any more about Zach, it, I've got all these four guys. You could build a case that they could all be in differing spots from each other. You could easily build the case that, well, Robertson's not just gone 90 in one format like Williams has. He's done it in two, so he should be higher. And then you go, yeah, but Hanley, when he's fully fit and firing, can go 100 where you go to Brody, And you go, yeah, but he's got the least question marks, you know, over some health concerns or he's better priced in format. So you could build a case pretty easily. And and I, I certainly wouldn't object to it if someone said Hanley was 34, Williams was 36. So you could build that case very easily. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be one of the more interesting questions. I think people are going to be rolling in with one to potentially even three of these mid-prices. And which ones you pick are going to heavily dictate how your season goes. Yes. Um, So, I mean, yeah, it is a really interesting one. I mean, Pierce Hanley, obviously, is just so injury-prone, yet has a huge history of scoring. the other guys may be less injury-prone, less inj- less a chance of scoring those hundreds. So you're just weighing it up. And at the end of the day, whatever is going to happen, it's probably going to be dictated a lot by luck, a lot by sure, um, a, a lot by whether they can stay out on the park or not. But it's a very, very interesting one. I think Zach Williams is, is a guy that uh, has featured on many uh, fantasy preliminary lists, at least at this stage. Yeah, and he's really popular across a, a large number of formats, more so super coach than anywhere else, but definitely still popular in AFL fantasy. And the reason he's so popular in super coach is because in 2017, the last time we saw him play in a home and away season, uh, he averaged 94, while in AFL fantasy, it was an average of 83. Uh, he is still only just 24 years old, the running defender, and his best 2017 fantasy scores came against the Bombers. The reason we're talking 2017, didn't play a home and away game last year. It was a 131 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 145 in Supercoach. He is priced to over 400000 across every single format. So again, in comparing to some of these other players, a little more expensive in some formats than in the other, but he's priced at 407800 in Supercoach, 421 in Fantasy and 474100 in AFL Dream Team. I think, Ben, when we look at the positives of Zach Williams, he's one of the most fun players to watch play the game. And if you own him in a keeper league or have owned him previously in a draft or in a salary cap format of the game, when Zach's 
up and running. He is absolutely phenomenal. When he gets the ball in his hands, his dash and dare, he takes the game on. Uh, really good use of the ball by foot. Um, and he's one of the more difficult players to stop rebounding outside of defensive 50. Uh, he's just one of those fun players. When you look at the way he plays the game and he takes the game on, it's incredibly attractive football. Yeah, he's he's an outstanding player. I, I think possibly he might have made quite a big difference had he actually been around last year. Mm. Um, GWS just needed a little bit more quality, especially at halfback. You yeah. know, we're going to obviously go on to someone who took over his role last year, Whitfield, uh, uh, later down the line. Um, but he, he filled in, but they're very different players. So this guy is an absolute speedster. Um, he can kick goals from halfback. So, Interestingly, like he, he's a halfback pocket mm. um, every day of the week. He kicked seven goals in 2017, which is really not too bad, including three goals against Essen. And that was that was a game where I'm quite sure he was playing halfback majority of it. Um, so, look, he, he's an exciting, exciting player. And at the end of the day, he's going to be someone that if you love just watching players, I think um, you really love enjoying high-quality footballers in your team. And I think he's a, he's a guy that you can't look past. He's, he's so much fun, and it really wouldn't be a surprise if you know he's named All-Australian in 2019. Yeah, wow, that's a big call. I, I think when you go back to his debut in 2013, he's always shown his fantasy footy potential. Um, history of scoring has been really strong. In just his ninth game of AFL against the Dockers, he scored a 97 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 101 in Supercoach. That potential kind of became a reality in 2016. 20 games at an average of 82.5 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 88 in Supercoach in 2016. And across all those formats, four tons that year. The following year, that's when he went up another gear in his personal best fantasy season. 83 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Nine scores over that average, five of them hundreds. For Supercoach, even stronger. An average of 94, which featured just the six tons. That's impressive. That's impressive to only have six tons and yet still score 94 on average. And if you look at his opening six games of that year, of 2017... He averaged 99 in Supercoach, 90 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. If he starts 2019 like he does, like he did back in 2017, you are going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Supercoach, he had three games in his 20-game season home and away. This is three games under 70, mm. which is pretty fantastic. Like, for a defender... That's awesome. That is, that's fantastic. Now, you can look at it the other way. Um, he only had one score above, well, two scores above 120. Mm. Um, so he's not going to kill you. And th- this is an interesting, an interesting part to the discussion around these mid-prices is who, who could absolutely take, the, take your league away from you, who could potentially take any, uh, mm. any top ranking away from you is the guys that are going to score fantastically well. So... He's got 145 against Essendon, which is that three-goal game I alluded to earlier, yeah. and 139, both you know monster scores. But outside of that, he's got 120, and then really they're, they're low hundreds. So I, I do suspect that he's, he hasn't got the ability to, say, average 100 in Supercoach. I would be surprised if he did something like that. Mm. 
Having said that, you know he's he's still coming up, um, so you can't you can't really rule anything out. Dream Team, I'm I'm not concerned about him doing something like that personally. So that's where for for me, I haven't really got him in my team at the moment. Just you know, not that that matters at all, but sure. purely because I don't think that his uh, his fantasy scoring is going to be something that absolutely kills me. While I look at someone like maybe a Pierre Stanley, you're thinking possibly um, Brody Smith is a little bit cheaper. And yep. unfortunately, we do have to be thinking along the lines of him v him v him because yeah, you do. they're all around that similar price range at this stage. Um, so, yeah, he he's someone, though, that I think he is the most likely to end up being a keeper. He's yes. the most safe option. Yeah, I think that's probably the fair way to put it. When you when you kind of look at all the variables, he probably doesn't boast the ceiling of a Hanley, um, but he doesn't have as as much injury concern as a Hanley. So where Pierce will you know put you out of a consideration, you, you know because he'll go one thirty one forty. Pierce is also the more likely of the two historically to break down on you, and, and so you're right. You've kind of got to look at all these four players, and maybe there's a, a space for multiples of them in your side. You do have to take up the pros and cons with every single one of them, and then make the one that feels like it's right for you, for your side, even your buy structure, you know, could start to come into as a, a deciding process. They're all so tightly grouped, these guys, and you're right, they do have to be graded against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And and at the end of the day, I, like I said, I think it's going to be an extremely interesting um, decision because it's probably going to have a large, a large, um, a large outcome on your season whether mm. you do well or not from from twenty nineteen. So, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time to think um, think about it. He did get only a twenty percent discount. So, um, prior to the prices coming out, I had I had him written down in black ink but i thought possibly a 40 percent discount would have made it an absolute certainty sure 20 percent puts it right on the periphery for me and, and um especially in Supercoach, i'm a little bit more interested mj which i think you are as well yeah um, i think Supercoach is the format and the only reason you know um personally i've put him um a little higher than the others i feel at least in one format which is Supercoach, he's the more likely one again historically that will average enough to keep in your side for the year. Now, again, injury history, then Hanley comes into consideration if injuries don't hit the marker. So that's the only reason for me. And again, like I've said a couple of times this podcast, if someone said, no, I think Hanley's a better option than Williams, I go, yeah, I can see why you'd build that case. If someone said, no, I like Brody Smith more than, than that. Yeah, that's fine with me. If someone said, Dylan Robertson, I, I prefer him. I, I yeah, that's why these guys are all kind of clumped together almost in one number um and, and there's barely anything splitting the four of them absolutely and the 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 other thing just to keep in mind with williams is a potential slight role change that we saw at the back end of 2017 yeah um, so he gws obviously aren't struggling when it comes to ball users and the the half back line they've got Heath Shaw, they've got Lockie whitfield going through there now um, Willie, Williams was struggling for the ball a little bit, so mm. he, had, he slowed down around round 14. Got He was injured for a couple of weeks um, and then, yeah, struggled for a little bit of form. And they, they did swing him forward. So I don't... Honestly, I don't think that that's going to happen from all the press release. You're, you're saying it's all about half-back. I don't think that there's going to be much 
much of a possibility of that happening. But his his numbers really did decrease when he was playing in that position. So just another little thing to think that possibly you know he has that um, that flexibility, and coaches always always really like that flexibility. And you know if if a couple of there are their brilliant harassing um, small forwards go down, potentially he's a guy that they look to throw in there. But I look, to be honest, just putting it on the radar, I don't think it's likely to happen in any way, shape or form. Um, but he, just that minor, minor question mark for me, if things do go awry at GWS and they, obviously they're stacked at halfback and less so at forward. So, But yeah, in conclusion with Zach Williams, I think that you've got a, you've got a guy that, out of all the mid prices, has the least question marks on him. Yeah, um, he doesn't have the highest scoring range. That's yeah, he's not going to um, hurt you. Likely, if you chose yep. him over the others, he's the one that he he he's the equivalent of the Isaac Heaney as a premium forward. Is you know what you're going to get, but it's probably not going to hurt you if you don't get it. But you probably feel the safest building around it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's personal preference, isn't yeah, it? it? At is. the end of the day, if you you're the type of guy that likes to, you know, take a few more risks, then, yeah, he's not the guy that possibly is going to be as exciting as, you know, as we've alluded to, some of those other names at mid-price range. So, but then again, it's real, really this early out. We don't know what the correct answer is. And honestly, we've got a long way of the preseason still to go. I would not be surprised if a couple of these guys... Um, you know, do get injured or something like that, it makes the decision a lot easier for us. But at this stage, he's definitely got to be in calculations because anyone who's done a 94 in Supercoach, that's that's obviously premium level. Yeah. And um, he's only played five seasons. Well, he's been on a list for a little bit longer, but he's only played five seasons of, and only two seasons of real regular football. Yeah. And he's done 83s in that time. So in this is in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. So... Whether he has the capacity to increase his numbers again, you know, honestly, he probably does. Whether it happens straight after an ACL is another matter. Um, he sure isn't getting younger in age, so you wonder if, you know, he's going to start having more issues, which is just a natural thing as you get a little bit mm-hmm. older. Um, and potentially what that does, whether it increases the reliance on Zach Williams, you would say that's possibly probable. Um, but it, it also comes down with a lot of these half halfbacks. It does come down to the style that the that the Giants are going to yeah. play. So um, we looked at Heshaw a couple of years ago. It was just outrageous the way he was scoring. And then obviously he had a little bit of a form issue, but there was also just a difference in game style that GWS wanted to play. They wanted to move the ball faster and possess it less. Um, so these these are all factors that we don't know about as the fantasy coach. So we're trying to really predict things that especially this far out we don't know sometimes the coaches won't even know um so it's all interesting it makes for a very exciting um discussion and i think right up to round one people are going to be deciding zach williams brody smith who do i go for yeah it's going to be that way isn't it you know that the the couple of games he did play last year didn't play home and away did play a couple of finals games coming back from that you know the achilles injury that that you alluded to is his first game back 
23 disposals, 9 marks, 4 tackles, a 107 in fantasy and dream team, a 117 in super coach. Um, he played off the halfback, interestingly, in that game. Uh, and we saw Lockie Whitfield released a little bit higher up on the ground, even though he was an all-Australian halfback. Back to the wing role he'd previously maintained. And again, the same role definition the following week in their um, semi-final loss to Collingwood. Both the games, Whitfield tunned up across all formats. Williams tunned up in one and there was, you know, 60-odd, 70-odd across the formats. And he wasn't the only GWS giant, you know, kind of down on, on form and down on, on their normal deliverables and kind of understandable. So second game back at an elite level. I, I think the other question mark coaches need to ponder and maybe it's something that if if Lockie Whitfield um, does appear in the 50 most relevant, we'll spend more time on it, is how does GWS structure up their side with the loss of... Um, Dylan Shield, I think that comes into consideration. He was a, a great, even though an inside-outside midfielder, his burst away from stoppages is going to be missed. No Tom Scully in the side. They didn't have him last year, I know, but th- they've lost that run up and down the wing. Where they use Lockie, how that impacts Zach, and then the fantasy role. Look, I, I probably think it's right now similar to what we saw in the finals last year with Lockie up on the wing, Zach at half back. But like you said, there are variations and changes in game styles every year. The evolution of how the game is played happens all the time. And so while we can look at all the data historically, there are some variables that will happen in the future that is just pure guesswork. Yep, 100%. I, I do agree with you that I, I think it's likely Whitfield returns to, to the wing. Yep. I think um, he's still going to rotate through halfback. So he's still going to probably play 20% of his game um, at halfback. He's got such an elite tank that he's the type of guy you don't want to be taking off. You'd rather just put him in a spot, keep him on the ground. Um, Doesn't affect his numbers too much, not really. He's he's done a 98 and a 98 in both the competitions in 2017. So from from that perspective, you're thinking, well, he's like... The whilst he was suited as a halfback, he's not necessarily any worse as a, a winger, which is just the type of thing that a coach will be thinking about. So I honestly think he's going, he, he'll be going back to halfback. I, I, you can say that with a fair degree of confidence, um, to, to the wing, sorry. And yeah, so I, I think that it's not going to change his role too much, but it just brings another question mark. They have more flexibility 12 months on than they did in 2017. Um, but yeah, at the, the end of the day, like I've said, Zach Williams, a very, very interesting prospect. And, you know, people are going to be umming and ahhing up until round one, MJ, and with much, much reason. And look, in, in, in um, draft leagues, which we'll get onto in a second, it's a, it's a bit of a different um, voice I have in that one because I think he's very, very interesting, especially in the Keep League. Yeah, I'm keen to get your thoughts on that in a sec. I think a, a fit and firing Zach Williams, based on what he delivered in his past two seasons uh, at AFL level, you know, 20 games in 2016, 82 average in Dream Team and Fantasy, 88 in Supercoach. 2017, 20 games, 83 average in Dream Team and Fantasy, and 94 in Supercoach. Pretty safe to say that if Zach playing 20 games he's a safe 80s average if not higher across all of your formats and if that's the case 
you need to consider him. You don't have to pick him, but he needs to at very least be on your watch list and be in consideration if you are looking for one or multiple of, of these kind of stepping stones. And yes, picking more than one um, has more risk variations going up, but so too more potential rewards. So it's going to be fascinating to see what fantasy coaches do across the formats this preseason with some one or none of these kind of stepping stone underpriced defenders. Let's talk about just yeah. Just on that point, um, one thing worth thinking about: Do you think that he has to become a premium? Because at prices of, I think he's priced at about sixty six in Dream Team and yeah. about seventy three or seventy five in Supercoach. For me, he has to become um, an eighty five to realistically probably high eighties, low nineties. For it to be deemed a very successful pick, yeah, um, he could he could average eighties, and you can consider him as a really good D seven. Yep. Um, but I I tend to think it's going to have to be a a premium. Um, he's going to have to be a premium to be a great selection. But I'm interested on where you land on that. Yeah, I agree. I think based on his price point, in contrast to the other three who are cheaper in some other formats than that. Picking him, he's probably the safest to score 80, but also because of his price point, he has to deliver better for you. Um, and so if he goes 85 plus in Dream Team and fan, definitely Dream Team AFL Fantasy, we may gain some defenders during the year that make 85 nowhere near enough. But an 80 85 would put you in the top 15. Um, to 20 in defenders, probably. Um, in super coach, he, he really needs to go 90 plus. So yes, while he may be the safest option, he's also the one that you need to perform at the higher p- possibilities for it to be a good selection. Um, otherwise, a Brody Smith who just goes, you know, an 85, or a Pierce Hanley that only goes an 83, it doesn't matter as much because he's 150,000 or 80,000 cheaper. So that's the difficulty some may have with Zach. I think there's more concerns uh, on fitness and health of the others over him, but I think he's also got to deliver stronger numbers than them and go enough to be a keeper. Yep, spot on. That's, that's exactly where I land as well. All right, let's talk about where he does go in drafts because I think if we're looking at where he goes in Dream Team and Fantasy, um, uh, based on a top eight, going 80, he'd be a top 20 defender. We're going probably conservative for him. 80's certainly unders what he can do. Um, that would put him inside the top 20 while for Supercoach, um, that would put him around that low, uh, mi- kind of late to mid 30s, maybe even just kissing the edge of 40. So um, it certainly won't be someone you have to bust out a high end. Um, you know, first couple of rounds selection on him in the draft. Can you see him drifting out to as low as a D4 in some leagues? I, I think he's going to go in probably a D3 in a fair few, but can you see him in a lot of leagues drifting out to a D4 selection? Oh, if he does, you're a, it's happy days. Yeah. Um, look, I think in, in some, not I don't think it's going to be common, uh, but I think in some you are going to, you are going to be left with that situation. So, yeah. realistically, he should be rated. He should be rated with the eighty defenders, I think. Yeah. Um, and given that fact, a lot of, as we know, a lot of uh, a lot of coaches go based off the previous season's average. So, there's always a chance that you can pick them up as a little bit of value. But 
Uh, I'd be very happy with Zach Williams at D3, personally. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, so, but if you're getting him at D4, just absolutely Happy days. That. That's, that's very, very happy, yeah. Yeah, across all the formats, I think once you kind of locked in uh, a couple of guys that you're really certain on that you're getting a 80, 85, 90 defensive average, um, at that point, you're locking in your third selection. You're looking for a guy who, who could do enough to, to go close to those premium numbers and across Supercoach and, and Dream Team, as we've said a couple of times, a fit Zach Williams is, is safely in that consideration. And yeah, D3 feels for me about right. Is that, in terms of a keeper league, is that similar for you, um, Benny? Or because of his age, you've got less, um, you'd be a bit more bullish on him? Yeah, I would be a lot more bullish on him. So he's only 24. Um, and as we were alluding to just before, He's really only been in the GWS Best 22 for about two two and a half seasons. Mm. Um, in the real two seasons, he's averaged at 83 in, in Dream Team and like average of 91 in Supercoach across those 40 games, which is just really, really outstanding. And the thing is, the, the thing we have to keep in mind, this is around the time when Heath Shaw has been getting just stupid numbers at halfback. Mm. So he, he's been a, a possession king, and I, I suspect that um, in some ways it has a positive outcome on Zach because there probably is a little bit more chipping of the ball, but I think largely it, it's actually a negative for him to, to get too much of the ball. Um, so I think that when you know when these a couple of these guys move on, uh, move into retirement and whatnot, it, the scope's only there to improve. So I, I can definitely see Zach adding another you know, five or so points in Dream Team and may, maybe even being, you know, a high 90s or low 100 super coach for a, um, a large part, portion of his career, especially at this this young age. And the other thing is he, he is so good at, at his halfback flank um, role that even though he might push forward on occasion, he's going to be a defender for the, the rest of his career, no doubt. So... Um, you've got a you've got a guy that's 24 years of age is going to maintain the status, has a history of very strong dream team scoring, and on top of that, you're with it with a keeper league. Given the fact that he missed the last 12 months, if he drops a little bit, um, you know you've got a fantastic guy on your hands. Given given that I'm not too worried about the last 12 months, and we're projecting for the next five to ten years, um, so it's it's a really exciting. Uh, proposition. I would be. I would possibly even take him at D two. To be honest. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you could build that case pretty comfortably too. And everyone chooses to a, a, approach keeper leagues with, with a different mindset. Some always go young. Some want treat it just like a seasonal draft league. You know, some kind of in between. So it's certainly a, a really different variation. And and I think if you were going to get Zach Williams, it was probably last year. Was it was really the time to pounce in an existing keeper league? Still likely to go and get him now. Um, if you can offer something that's um, really um, durable and consistent. A, a keeper league coach may be tempted to kind of go elsewhere, especially if they're weaker on another line. But um, it, if they've held Zach Williams through last year, chances are they're probably not willing to part with him now. No, you think a, a trade would be difficult. Um, of course, you can always always still value someone a little bit higher. So, um, but it, to be honest, the coach that has held him for the last twelve months probably values him at the 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 rate that I value him at so it will be difficult to do that but look at, at the end of the day he's a guy definitely worth pursuing because um, as I think both you and I know it's around defenders probably by D4 D5 you're scraping to get these high 70s guys yeah, in that, yeah. Um, yeah so 
when you when you've got a young proposition that's already doing you know low low to mid eighties and has had people in the back line that is are possibly detracting from his scores just because they've had so much of the ball. Um, I think that yeah, you you've, you're paying a good price for that because I. I know me personally, I'm always looking at defenders and I'm just thinking there there is an absolute dearth of them at the moment. Mm. Um, and you, that really has come out in the numbers. So when you've got a young guy like this, he is worth a, a hell of a lot. All right, I like your thoughts, man. Hey, I appreciate this bumper episode as we've talked about Zach Williams in the 50 Most Relevant. Thank you, mate. Always, uh, always happy to be on. Appreciate it, man. If you want to go and check out the article, it is online at coachespanel.tv. You can get all the links to pledge and support our Patreon while you're there and be a part of the Coaches Panel journey. And if you want to go back and check out some of the roundtable club-by-club analysis from the panel, that is also there at coachespanel.tv. If you're loving these 50 most relevant daily podcasts, we'd appreciate you heading to however you consume these podcasts. Uh, Make sure you like them. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribed. Uh, leave a five-star review if you've got that opportunity. It just helps other people discover about what you know to be the 50 most relevant list and the coaches panel. Another player revealed tomorrow, I promise you, I promise you, they're not a stepping stone defender. Do you believe me? 